0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the Beyond the Bounce podcast. Another week, another episode, more time I get to spend with Danny Mac. What's happening?
1: Nothing much, coach. Uh, Just got off a weird week in L.A. Uh, We had snow recently, which was crazy. But, um, you know, I was uh, I was stuck in traffic the other day. Um, mostly because of bad weather, because once, when, whenever any sort of water, whether it be snow or just rain falls from the sky here, everyone freaks out and loses the ability to drive. But I was like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Exactly. So I was stuck in traffic and I was bored and I was started reading license plates and I saw a new Hampshire license plate that, um, above it, uh, read live free or die. What do you think of that coach? Oh man, that's that. <laughs> One,
0: I gotta look on the map so I can remember where New Hampshire is at. <laughs> Two, it's like okay, live free or die. Is that a, a new rap song, a new rap slogan? <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, who who comes up with that license plate? It it has to be like live free or die. Was it just live free or die period, or was it live free or die dot dot dot? <laughs> um, I just can't imagine that seeing it. It
1: was just live free or die period. I actually i i did some research into it, and apparently it's the New Hampshire slogan, um, and it was uh it was a quote from their most famous Revolutionary War soldier. His name was General John Stark, and the full quote reads, "Live free or die. Death is not the worst of evils." And Hey yeah. Jay. I'm from New Hampshire, son. <laughs> Live free or die. <laughs> That's
0: hard. Like when you get when you get into it at the gym with somebody, hey, you ain't know I was from New Hampshire. Hey, you, you read my plate, live free of that. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but I was doing this research after this interview that we just had with uh Coach Torino Johnson. And, uh, man, this man is intense and he when he like he says, he seeks out confrontation. And, you know, I was just thinking about uh after reading that license plate, uh a uh, worse evil than death would probably be running laps for Torino. Uh, unless he
0: ran up to a team from New Hampshire and they like, yo, we in LA. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you, uh, you know what? I actually have to look up some of their sports teams and see what their rosters look like. Because, you know, with a, with a slogan like that, I mean, that's a, hey, D, that's a lot to back up, man. Live free <laughs> exactly. That, you know?
1: I don't know what's going on <laughs> over there, but I'm not messing with any New Hampshire kids.
0: Yeah, I know, right? I got, I gotta look. I gotta look. First, I gotta look at the state. I wanna look at the de- well. I probably already know the demographics without looking at it. But hey, man, you. I guess it goes back to revolutionary times, and I guess you had some some real hey some real soldiers back in the day. They talk about live free or die. You know, I'm like, ah, every time I hear that, it's like, I th- I don't know why 50 Cent keeps popping up in my mind. Get rich or die trying. But it's like. They just said, we just want to live free or
1: die. <laughs> you think you're you're going to get pressed in South Central if you're wearing the wrong colors. Try it up in New Hampshire. See what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, because they already told you, hey, before you cross that border, we going to live free it, and die. I hope uh, no one from New Hampshire is listening to this, boy. we're going to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we get on, I'm interested. I hope everyone gets enjoys this, uh, this conversation with Coach Torino Johnson. Um he said a lot of good things. Um he spoke a lot of good knowledge and he you can learn a lot if you just take the time and listen to a person. So we hope you enjoyed this week. Keep, keep, keep the political commentary to yourself. Or, or, or as someone once said Shut yeah. up and dribble. Hey, this is Jason Pruitt, and welcome to the Beyond the Bounce podcast. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast. Is Torino Johnson, the head women's basketball coach at Cal State Los Angeles. How you doing, coach?
2: Man, I'm borderline sensational.
0: Man, how you been doing? How How's everything been during these crazy times?
2: I mean, it's just been what you said. It's been crazy, but um, you're coaching and you're living in chaos. And so it's all about... Uh, your perception and uh the people and the company you keep you know regardless of phone calls zooms whatever it is um whatever your 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 uh your nomenclature calls for you'll kind of go back to that base so i've been i've been uh, i've been thriving gadgets
0: so a lot of people don't know. Our relationship goes back 10 years. We first met when I first moved to Los Angeles working the UCLA basketball camps. So we were entrenched and became friends and had a good working relationship for the past 10 years. I mean, sure. that, that that might send a, a shop fire to some people out there if you didn't. <laughs> said anything bad about him in my grace. Now, you know, we've been down for 10 years.
1: <laughs>
0: but, you know, we, we 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 both got street sense. We both got book sense. We both got common sense. You know, as long as you don't get too too out of bounds and too yeah. detrimental to someone, you know, hey, you, I'll let you tell them to it yourself when you see them. But other than that, man, you were a high school coach. You were a legend when you were a high school coach. When I was reading your bio... How many CIF championships do you have?
2: Uh, we won uh, I think four um, four in ten years. Um, had an opportunity to win maybe uh, six.
0: So. And, and how many times were you voted by your peers? Let me put that out there again. You were voted by your peers as coach of the year.
2: What does that Ooh. mean? Ooh. Um... I think that's like um, anywhere between four and six, and it sucks because I don't remember it. Because um, you kind of just keep going. You you just try to have authentic, authentic relationships with people, and for your peers to respect what you do in a in a profession that's so competitive, um, it just means the world to me. So just the the respect portion was was big for me. The the accolades. Um, that was cool, but I pride myself more on the relationships I still have with those very people.
0: So outside of your high school success, you also were, were a U. United States basketball court coach in 2015.
2: What was that experience like? I mean, it was unique. It was um, one of these um, Mount Rushmore-type climbs for you. Um, Because as a coach, you grow up watching the game and you're you're fine-tuning your eye. And that seems to be the pinnacle because I'm one of those dream team kids. And so you, you watch that particular team and you really fall in love with the game because your childhood idols are on that team. And so to then just be attached to that USA moniker you're already come in jaded and then you get to know the people behind the scenes and you're learning the administrative side of coaching. Uh, Carol Callen, uh, who runs it, runs the women's side. She's extraordinary with that. And so you, you, you build more relationships. And so I think at the end of the day, basketball, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you play it, it comes down to your ability to put the ball in the basket. And so – there's so many people that complicated and, and, and by adding things to drills, but we did a lot of simple things in that, in, in those practices. And it, it made me a little bit more reflective about how I was running my high school practices. And so it was extremely valuable for my growth.
0: And to piggyback on what you said, a lot of the drills were simplistic, right? Absolutely. So that goes back to my junior college coach, um, I was fortunate enough to play for play for an NBA coach, an NBA player. And um, one thing he used to tell us, hey, don't waste no unnecessary dribbles. Your job is to get from A to B as quick as possible. I don't care how you do it, just get there. And mm-hmm. least amount of dribbles as possible. You see that, that's a, that's a skill that kids do not know how to do today. They can't get from A to B without putting something in the between it.
2: I think it's due to um... – uh, one, everyone wanting to be popular in social media, as opposed to being uh, really good in real life, and so they get they get really good at what they practice, which is a, <laughs> a, a ton of unnecessary moves. Um, you know, you tie in things like I, I'm a, I'm keen on focusing on developing my coaching eye. So when I'm watching video, it's no different than me looking at a picture. A picture says a thousand words. So when I watch that video, I'm watching that video to see, is it excessive? Is it unnecessary? Are they direct? Are they Do they understand? So is their IQ adequate enough to go beyond me? And so I'm always looking for what people wouldn't necessarily see in the video. The same way when I'm looking at a picture. I study those pictures, and then I can give someone a little bit, uh, a different direct message, right? Your coach may have a message for you, but my message might be different because I've studied that picture or that film. and and They're posting this stuff on social media, so then I may send them a DM like, hey man, I saw you're in that viral video, but I'm not sure if you can play.
0: But I, but coach telling. Yeah. But coach, my, my trainer told me to do this though.
2: Well, um it, it's it's a lot of people that are uh robbing others without the ski mask. <laughs> and, and and so it it's frustrating, but also it's entertaining. <laughs> you, know, you know, I go, everybody can't make it, so we do get a chance to see what you should not do there's a, a lesson in all of this stuff and you know the fluff doesn't last it's about being able to get with the right people the right fit I'm not saying you gotta go to the uh, to a basketball factory but just just lock in with the people that have common sense and will, who show up every day and um Nurture your development, you know. So, the other stuff is just tricks and gimmicks, and we know that's slick oil salesman <laughs> stuff. It, it doesn't last,
0: doesn't at all. It doesn't. I found that out fast. Uh, when I, when I made the jump to from college to division mm-hmm. one, um, yeah, you know, um, you when you go when you play at a higher level, you are expected to do a role, absolutely, and anything outside of that role will get that butt on the bench real fast and I think that's what a lot of kids don't understand is, you know what, I got a leading scorer on the team, but I need, you know what, I need you to come in and play defense, so I need oh, you to come in and do that. You, you,
2: you just triggered a thought. There are 450 players in the National Basketball Association, correct? Correct. Um, at the end of or middle of the season, I think there's 24 players selected as All-Stars um let's let's say there's 30, 30 bona fide stars in the n b a that means four hundred and twenty of those players are role players <laughs> they are extraordinary at basketball, but they're at the top of the pendulum and they are the best in the world at what they do. And 430 of them are role players. They understand that they are not there to take all the shots. They're not there to make all of the passes. They're there to do their job, whatever that it is listed for them to do. So I, I think
0: that that mindset to be a role player, um, starts in your home. Um, Growing mm-hmm. up, I had a father that was an athlete. Um, I had family members that were Division One athletes, and I followed in their footsteps. And I remember my dad showing me a picture one day. He's originally from Detroit. Okay. And he said, hey, you see that guy? That's Isaiah Thomas. You can't mm-hmm. be him. You see that guy? That's such and such. You can't be him. But, hey, you see that guy right there? That's Vinny the Microwave Johnson. You can play a <laughs> role like him. Playing that role yes. will get you a long way. So yes. when I tell kids all the time, they were like, Coach, Coach Jason, you 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 were able to play Division I basketball. Uh, I have never been the best player on any of my teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have always been one of the hardest workers, and I understand playing my position and playing my role. Um, I had a coach told me my first year of college basically told me and one of my good friends now, hey, your job ain't to shoot the ball. Your ball is to play defense, take the layups when you got to get a ball to Fred, Travis, and, and, and Isaac, which were uh, NJCAA All-Americans that went on to play Division One and uh, otherwise. So guess what? Me giving the ball to them and taking my shots and layups, hey, got me 20 minutes a game as a freshman. You, yes, can't, beat, you can't
2: beat that. No. <laughs> but see, you know. what, it, what it says to me, though, uh, you got to give your your parents a lot of credit because they laid an incredible foundation and it's not just that particular story um it's everything that i've seen and witnessed you do and so you would hope that the young people uh in the profession who are playing uh could to take heed because you can star in that role you 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 get hall of fame you get Hall of Fame players, and they were role players. Yes. Dennis Dennis Rodman had an exceptional skill set, and he said, I'm going to play defense and get all of the rebounds. And so you could see a game where he'd have two points and 28 rebounds. He's starring in that role. So it's, it's for these young people to understand that even if you're labeled a role player, you can still be exceptional. Just focus on the task at hand, and you'll parlay that into everything else you're doing in life.
0: Hey, and you know what? You may not be the star player, but you still can be a role player and that crowd favorite. Come on Because now. People, people know, you know, people know, hey, when 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 Jay get in the game, he about to D up, he about to lock down, and when he get on that break, it's showtime, baby. Yes, You sir. know. Uh, but, you know, you you got to be able to accept it. And it takes a special person to accept roles. And, and also, moving on, mm-hmm. you are a coach in a conference where a lot of coaches look like you. But mm-hmm. you are a coach in one of the toughest Division II conferences in the country, hands down. How many conference games do you all play a year?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like... I'm on the hot seat if you just ask me <laughs> that question, man. It's like 20-something, 20, 20, 24, 20-something, 20 man. It's a lot of them, bro. And, and, like, and that means every game counts. You don't
0: have the luxury like I have, or like a lot of coaches I have, they'll play 11, 12, non-conference contests. Yeah. As soon as you get started, it's time for you to jump right in it. So Absolutely. how has it been the transition into that tough conference,
2: and and, and what are your your outlooks? Uh, the transition has been beautiful. Um, every day we're showing up with a work worker's mindset, you know, and and a server's mindset. And so the first part is um, making sure the culture is what we want. And so my job as the leader is to one, coaching is communication, is to communicate what I envision this program being, and um our victories then won't just be on the court they'll be in the classroom and they'll be in the community so at the end of the year whatever the number is that we've won i can then plus that by 5 or 8 depending on all of the service we've been able to do so it's just um it's a it's a it's a consistent grind because you have long hours, odd hours and surprise hours and you don't get to say I'm working from 9 to 5. Oh, don't bother. No, you're you're always doing something. There's a there's an emergency and you're the one there to take care of it. So, um on the court is what everyone else gets to see, right? That's right. the final product. That's where people will say, um, okay, that's, that's your grade in your class. You you failed the test. Everyone else doesn't see it because it was in the classroom. On the court, you fail in that game. Everybody sees you. It's the worst ever. <laughs> and so you have to be able to uh, be human. You have to be able to look at your team and say, hey, we're going to have some growing pains, but we're going to get better. And we're going to get better because we're going to do the unrequired work. Right it's uh excuses can't live anywhere there's an investment, and so it has to be deeper than us just being committed. We have to be invested in it right there's you know we we quote some things as, as uh, you know guns and butter <laughs> like it's like stocks, man, like it's about what are we putting into this sweat equity, so I show up every day with that hard hat on and I'm communicating with my team about their greatness. That's how I'm supposed to get them there. So we're recruiting scholar athletes. We're landing the the type of players that we want in our program. We don't, I don't know what a division two player looks like. Um, I don't adhere to uh, these, these silly norms that uh, some of the folks in our profession have yielded to. Oh, that's a, the whatever kid oh no that kid she's a high major I don't listen to those folks and matter of fact when I hear them talking I think their basketball IQs are too low Uh, this is a game about fit you go where your school's going to be paid for and you're going to be loved and you will never be placed in harm's way Uh, and that's what my program's about and so my outlook I'm gonna we're trying to win it all we're trying to we're trying to be um, the face of women basketball and because we want to get to the top right like it's, it's every every team in our conference is extraordinary They're they do exceptional things on the floor and so for us to beat them we're going to have to do that too so even even you you look at some teams, some programs that are at the bottom of our of our conference, and, and they are good programs. They're really good programs. And so um, I'm just excited because I believe in what my coaching staff is doing. You know, I've had a WNBA player on our coaching staff, and Gia Perkins, who's a a, a war a world champion with the Lynx, played with Maya Moore. Um, she's a uh, Texas Tech Hall of Famer and. Um, you know, she's an all star. More importantly, she's one of my best friends. Metal World Peace is in practice. You kind of know his story, uh, all star, world champion. Uh, he's one of my best friends. And so, Dave Elliott, Cameron McClinton, we have a lot of coaches in there Shadara, um, um Ryan, and Matt. And everyone is showing up, all hands on deck, man. And so, it's not just me. I just get the the credit or the blame because of the uh the head coaching title. But you know.
0: No man, it sounds sounds like you had a big thing. So with you born and raised <coughs> growing up in LA. Not not yes, not, not the suburbs, like growing no, up no no South Central. South South okay. Central. Growing Let's up be specific in South Central LA. Yes. And what you see going on in the world today. What experiences mm-hmm. did you take from growing up in South Central L.A.? Because look, I'm from Alabama. Yeah. A lot of people when I tell them I'm in L.A. now and I have to tell them mm-hmm. when I go home, hey, you know you can't really wear red and you can't really wear blue and you really can't do this in certain areas and they look at me like, oh, that's just not on TV? No, that's real life. And I learned right. that from when I was teaching down there at one of the charter schools <laughs> in yeah. that area because yeah. the kids were like, Mr. Pruitt, Mr. Pruitt, you can't wear yeah. that color you're going to get pressed. And I'm like, right. like, huh? Get pressed? Like, I ironed yeah. my shirt this morning. What you talking about? You know, <laughs> I, I really didn't know until the kids gave me the game that you couldn't wear. Yes, you sir. couldn't wear that. So how how has the, those experiences growing up in South Central L.A. shaped you to the man you are today? And what with what you see what's going on <laughs> in the world today for some of our leaders?
2: Man, you know what? It's made me so much more resilient. Um, it's made me a master communicator. Like, um, And I'm fearless. And so I enjoy it because – all, there are a lot of people that are terrified of confrontation. I'm not. Um, I look forward to it. And so, the interactions are: yes, people are loud, people are direct, but you can communicate that via love as well. So, in in the lives of uh, black people, everyone overlooks this, uh, and they they. It's as uh, it's a very simple fact. Like, love has been so terribly menaced that it's dangerous to be in love. Right? So like these young men, they fall in love with the streets. But the streets don't love them back. Right? And they issue challenges and the streets accept every challenge. So it's hard for them to escape that. And so your job is to learn from their mistakes because sometimes as you see on the news, they won't be they won't be afforded the opportunity to learn from their mistake because they will die. They're in love with something that's going to kill them. Right? And it's rotten, it's rottening at the core. But for me, that's about as American as apple pie. When I'm watching um vanilla ISIS storm the cap the, the capital, you know, I gotta look at them and go, those are domestic terrorists no different than what they've said my brothers and sisters in South Central LA are. They've been demonized. Uh, They've been stripped of uh, the humanity that's afforded to um, citizens, people. And what happens is you get a chance to see that these vanilla, I'm going to keep calling them vanilla ISIS terrorists, um they're in love with something and they're in love with something that's going to kill them as well and that's their hatred that's that racism. A lot of times they can't get to us Pruitt and so that shit eats at them right It's like hey I'm gonna drink this poison and I hope you get sick no they're they're rottening at their core too from 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 the poison of racism now, the construct and the infrastructure allows for them to maneuver through um, corporate America and be successful. But I've even stopped looking at them as success stories. They're not successful. They're just rich. We're the ones who are taking care of people's kids. We're the ones who are teaching people's kids. When it's been not, it's been noted. And well documented that it would be illegal for you to teach us. So we're overcoming all of those things. And so we're in certain players, certain areas in, in America, and we're overcoming all kinds of obstacles. And so for me, you know, where do we go from here? That that's what I'm always looking at. It's like something that maybe James Baldwin could tackle. Somebody with some soul, somebody with some substance, right? Because these people who get up here and pontificate and act as if they are, are, are moral leaders, they're bankrupt. They're morally bankrupt. They can't lead us anywhere. They they want our money. They want you to be in love with capitalism. And so they'll find a way to uh, monetize. So they'll slap Snoop Dogg on something because cripping is Crippen is, uh, is worldwide now. So we got to make money on that. you know. We, we'll find a way to monetize off the bloods because, you know, being a blood is worldwide now. But there are so many brothers and sisters who have lost their lives from being in love with that stuff. It's detrimental to our health. And so I'm always one of those guys that get up here and I tell the truth. So with that being said,
0: on because, because you know, we, when I when I started this podcast, I literally yeah. said I'm going to go beyond the bounds. And so yes. you have identified a problem. So mm-hmm. what do you think could be a good solution to help us mend these problems? Well, Because if so we don't start, work together and we don't start to create, to create solutions, we're just going to keep reliving the same thing over and over.
2: That's an excellent question. It starts at home and in our communities. And uh, for one, I'm big on um, sitting down with different groups and, and mentoring um the the children that look like me, I coach for them. I coach so they have a, a visual display of excellence. And then I'm very particular about what I do, because I want them to continue to see that good. And I want to be able to talk to them, so I'm tangible. Um, it's connecting with people in our communities. You know, one of my friends was Nipsey Hussle. So um, he, you know, I got text messages, and that phone won't go off again. But The legacy creates something else to where I have other friends like G Perico, J Worthy, J 305. It's a lot of guys who are rapping. And so then I tie them into community endeavors and we sit down on different Mondays and we come up with game plans on how we can attack the very thing that they fell in love with. It's, hey, can we go to Nickerson Gardens and do a backpack drive and not record a damn thing because I don't want no help. I want these kids to see that this love came from them. It wasn't about, hey, we needed to be on TV. This is this is authentic and organic love. And I think when you do those things, the same way you had this this riptide of bad stuff and influence from the gang culture, now you can offset that with some love. Hey. This is what I have for you. But then to get them to see you so they don't always expect things. You don't want them to expect that you're bringing them something when when they see you. You just want them to understand that you're tangible and that the best thing you're going to do is give them great information. You're going to show them how to navigate and become relationship engineers because that's how they're going to get themselves out of this. They're going to network laterally. They're going to use their their, their minds because you don't make it with your hands. You're going to make it with your mind. And then you're going to form groups. Some of you guys are going to come off and become CEOs. Some of you are going to become uh, different levels of workers, and that's okay. And so it's getting them to understand um, the hierarchy of this thing, but never giving up on themselves. You have to be um, tangible, or you have to be Uh, visible for them to offset the other negative images they deal with on the daily. So getting in the trenches, man, that, that, that's crucial. And that's been, that's been number one for me.
0: So you, you, I hear you, you, you mentioned we're on a theme of love. Like I love this. I love that. And so the one thing that, that I can see is you truly love who you are. You truly love what you do, what you're about. And yes. the love that comes from you is the love that is important in your team because you have one of the yes. most diverse teams in Southern California also. So when Absolutely. you're spreading that love, love is mm-hmm. actually colorblind when it comes to your program and your coaching staff. How How is yeah. that message spread and how do you relay that message to your players that, hey, we are all the same no matter what color we are?
2: Well, the thing for me is all I care about is if you're a good person. And I want to push you towards being a good person, right? Are you uh, an inspiring person? Do you Can you put together uh, your own personal board of directors? And if not, then I'm going to show you how to do it. There's so much, there's so much to be learned in that. So how can we win the day? Well, all of y'all got to be able to build an inner circle and it has to have great, persistent, loving, optimistic, diverse, honest and can-do people. Not them can't-do MFers. Them can-do people. And when you do that, you start to seek and share wisdom. You find solutions. You find truth, advice, compassion, encouragement, and most importantly, in my opinion, love. So that doesn't have a color. I'm looking for those things as I recruit. I'm looking at their family structure. I'm looking at how they carry themselves. What do they post on social media? What don't they post, right? What don't they applaud? What don't they celebrate? Because I believe in celebrating every win. That's how I win my day. At the end of the day, I'm going to perform a self-audit on myself. What did I do well to help other people feel great about themselves? It starts with me in my home with my family, and then it extends over to my other family, the team that I coach. And I'm deeply passionate about that love that I'm going to give to them because that's winning. So when I talk about we're going to win it all, that is part of that. I know I'm going to win. That that's a that's a no-brainer. Like it's already been written. So I get to sit back and enjoy the impact that I can have on these people because it's going to be positive. I've already made up my mind. So I heard you say
0: win and and we haven't, you know, in these times, there have been a lot of wins, even though the bigger pitchers look like we took a loss because we're not in season, we're not on campus. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there have been other ways to win the day, win the game. Yes. So with that being said, this year, I could go out and say, hey, I'm the conference champ this year. We won it all because You're damn right. nobody in our team played or vice versa. You know, any other coach in our conference could be like, you know what? I won the conference this year. You, Guess what? You know, I subscribe to that. <laughs> I was coach of the year this year. You know what? Because, yeah. because none of us play the game, but none of us, we're all in the same situation yeah. this year. So we all won in some way or something right. I'm
2: going a, I'm to a take it a step further. I was undefeated. <laughs> and I dare one of them to get on here and say I'm lying. I will call them out. You know damn well I did not lose the year. <laughs> not this year. you talking about last You talking about the other year? That wasn't this this year. I did not
0: lose to y'all. So when undefeated. So when you go out this year and you recruit, you can rightfully say, "Hey, we were undefeated
2: this year." Yes, and I'm not going to even mention them. They can go look up the record. (laughs) It was undefeated this year. But you, you, you. So with these type of things, man, we got to be able to show our brilliance and our creativity, right? right? Like I don't sit there and I don't coach in a box. I don't coach for the norm. This ain't for them. I, I I go against that grain, which is what my mentors have taught me. I've been fortunate to have some people that lit, lit a fire under my ass, and I've been steadfast with that. I've always been solid. So whether it's John Thompson, George Ravlin, John Wooden, uh, Michael Jordan, Mitch Kupchak, Jerry West, I could go on, right? These are people that have influenced me and I've had direct contact with, and the people that are still alive I still talk to, just about every damn day, I'm talking to somebody. So
0: one of your mentors said this, and you can name the mentor. You and I were on a call with probably 150 other coaches, and he, okay. he said, "And this this mentor said the problem with us coaches today is we think that coaching is half the battle. We think we got to mm-hmm. be a good coach to prove this or to prove that. When in actuality, yeah. we should learn how to lead a program, then." Mm-hmm. Can you can finish from there? You know where I'm going with
2: this? Oh man, you talking about George Silver? <laughs> um, you know, what I mean, your responsibility is to lead and coach your program, right? And then you got to be, if you're a black coach, be a black coach, be happy with, be happy in your own skin. Because he said, to... he said we had to lead, we had to
0: manage, and then we had to develop. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard it put like that. So mm-hmm. what do you think he actually meant? Like, break that down for some people that may not understand that. You got to lead, you got to manage, yeah. and then you develop. Coaching is the last thing that you have to do.
2: Yeah, so when you're leading, you, you, you have to be able to be worthy of being in that position. Otherwise, you're just an MF for going for a walk. So leading is by example. It's not what you say, it's what you do. That's an action. Right? And so they heard you, but they also see you. Me, I live in the truth. And because I live in the truth, the Lord blesses me with all kinds of things, man. I got so many things to announce. It is incredible. And I can't wait to get I can't wait to get the clearance to 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 tell everybody what's happening. But that's leading. Leading is showing up every day and just doing the work. Like doing your part, and then helping and assisting someone with theirs, and not expecting people to give you praise for it—that's you leading.
0: And see, I think I think a lot of people for, forget forget that aspect of, of leading because he he said on that call that you know you lead, you manage, and you develop. You know those were the three core principles into being a successful yeah. coach for you know. For for some people
2: or some people that, that make yeah, it the you, opportunity. You start with yourself. You gotta lead yourself. This is a game that could be coached without a clipboard. Feel. And so if you can understand that from the beginning, then you've led yourself properly because you're not you're not falling victim to the book. This is how we do it. Okay, well, you're not going to be a player's coach because at some point, they're going to reject that. How are you going to communicate with them then? You need to already master your own voice. You need to be able to have led yourself. So then when you get to that, you'll start understanding the differences in leadership. Like I'm a cooperative style coach. I like input from everyone, all stakeholders, bad or good or indifferent. I don't care. I'm listening. I'm going to learn it all. So that puts me in a good position when I'm coaching versus the coach that's a know-it-all. When 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 you're dialing into the management, well, it's not managing the game. It's you managing your emotions. Some things are going to go wrong. How are you going to deal with it? Those young people are watching you. You are visible. You're going to have to fix that. I'll use a quick outlier on this or a quick example i used to get so mad at chris paul when he played for the clippers because he was crying and complaining on everything on thing that happened and then i started looking closer at that picture and i noticed that doc was doing the same thing and i'm only using these names because i know these people and we interact and i've said my piece so i can talk a little shit now Doc was encouraging that complaining. Chris has never done that elsewhere. So Got you. they're going to do what you allow them to do. But how good is that going to be for you in, in, in managing? You have to manage your emotions. You have to.
0: Yeah, man. I, I And I think a lot of us, you know, or mm-hmm. early in my career <laughs> yeah i would fly off the handle over something you know now i'm you know i'm more laid back it's like yeah, hey yeah. when that uh mm-hmm. i give you a good analogy when that referee blow that whistle they're not going to be like you know what coach i made a mistake and i'm going to take that back hey once they blow that whistle and give Bro, you that assessment, yes. you got it,
2: it, it doesn't... move
0: on it's like when when you get that ticket that, that officer ain't going to be like, hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm actually yeah. not going to give you a ticket today. No, you got man, that ticket. Man, every, Deal with every, it and every move on.
2: interaction, man, is important. And you have to put your best foot forward. You, don't, you never know where you cross paths with that particular person again, that official, that uh, police officer. They got families, too. They're pillars in our community. So as you interact, it's never to make people feel terrible. Right, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. That person could have cost you a championship game. I think how you deal with that is going to mean more um, to the people that are around you because they need to see that too. They're 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 shook up too because they a lot of people root for you like that. So what you the energy you put out is going to be the energy you get, and as you cross those people's yes, paths, sir. man. Um, Put a, put a smile in the path of that. Like, put a smile in there. It's okay to show your grill. Like it...
0: So I'm going I'm to put a smile on your face right now. So when we wrap up on this podcast, we do a little something mm-hmm. like you invited to the barbecue. Like, you just don't get invited to the barbecue because you didn't spit okay. some knowledge and you seem to be down. I need to see mm-hmm. what you actually bring into the barbecue. So I need, a, I need a meat dish, I need a side dish, and I need a kid-friendly drink because, like I told some of my other guests, I already know what you got up in that cup. So what you go bring so, so my kids can drink to? Them.
2: It's a, a dish. So what I'm gonna bring is I'm gonna bring, um, I'm gonna bring some some chicken chops or some turkey chops. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You talking food now, aren't you? Okay, I'm gonna bring some I'm chicken food or with, some turkey chops from my my spot up the street from you, man. These people, they're incredible. It's a Muslim spot, I, man. I mean, I'm trying to tell you. Um, uh, now you said a side dish. Side yeah, what I'm bringing some bring greens,
0: in. bro. <laughs> you bringing them with the, with the, with the, with oh, the no, turkey no, hog? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to get hog, that turkey hog
2: up in there, baby. And we're going to get that smoke. We're going to <laughs> put that smoke on that thing, baby. You see, you you got you, you getting me up out of my element. You're making me go in the thing instead of thing. <laughs> oh, we're going to put some smoke up in that thing, baby. <laughs> I'm bringing the greens. <laughs> And what are we what are we drinking we, on? We drinking on, or the kids drinking on? What we drinking for I the family? It. I know what man, we drinking on. We're what the kids some, drinking? Some, uh, some lemonade, man. We are gonna, yeah. They gonna. Okay, some lemonade. What kind? Nah, we We gonna go homemade. Um, you know, we're gonna we going gotta... homemade, man. We gonna get out there and, okay. and go old school. Uh, my my grandparents were from the south and uh, picking peas and uh, and you know. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Like it's my life. I, it's I'm like... one of them old school dudes like that, man. It's like, I before this transformation for me, cause I'm I'm giving up red meat. I was on that hog mall. We used to be in there hog mall. <laughs> I'd be like, oh man, I gotta do it. Um, but I know how to make that stuff. So um, that's what I'm doing at the barbecue. And we playing, and we playing dominoes. Man, well, well, I like dominoes it, man. And some and some spades going on too.
0: See, I gotta get into that. See, I'm from, I'm from Alabama, so we throwing horses. Look,
2: I, we pitching I, shoes. There was, there was a moment of awkward <laughs> silence for me. I was like, it got me. I can't do nothing with that. <laughs> but look, I,
0: I'm just not learning okay, how to cool. play dominoes for real since I've been, in, since I've been in L.A. You know, but I, I'm learning how to play dominoes. But I, I growing up. I remember all my uncle, all my my great uncles, my grandmother. See, hey, they pitching shoes, they pitching we, horseshoes straight off the we horse. Got out of this
2: pandemic, we gotta link up and exchange some whoopings. You gonna give me some whoopings and some horseshoes, and I'm gonna go ahead and pay it back, and we'll pay it forward with with some dominoes. Hey, well, well you know something that I have fell What's in that? love
0: with right before the pandemic. Ultimate Frisbee, no, dude. No. Have you ever played it? <laughs>
2: man. You got to get on ESPN. I, did, I saw one time it was on there. I was like, why is this on ESPN? And it was like. <laughs>
0: man, I think, <laughs> hey, man. I'm like, hey, I, I'm like Devontae Thompson from Alabama oh, catching man. Frisbee, man. You made my <laughs> day. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was my go-to right before the pandemic. I was going to actually, look. Mm-hmm. I was going to take it a step further. I was going to actually try oh, to join a league and play on the team. That. We're
2: going to need you to get some film. I need some film. <laughs> you know, Don't get out there and get hurt. You know, so before, one
0: last story. So before mm-hmm. I moved to L.A., we were in Miami. And um, the, the, where I was working was a was a, school I was working was a large Caribbean community. So one of my good friends, he's from Grenada. We talk every day. And I know he's going to hear this. And uh, he kept yeah. saying, I had never played soccer before. Because growing up, it was only yeah, basketball, yeah. baseball, I'm track you know, volleyball in Alabama. So I was like, man, I can play soccer, man. It's so easy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, all right, all right. So I got on the team with all the Caribbean kids uh, playing in the Intermittal League. And I, the first game ever, I was standing in front of the goal. The ball came in front of me. Mm -hmm. I kicked it with my left foot and it went, and it went in. I took my shirt off, I ran around the field and I said, "I told y'all this was easy. I told y'all it was easy." Hey, the next 7 games, never even touched the ball. I was so horrible. Oh, wow. They put me as the goalie. And then I was just I was scared of the ball. The ball, I didn't know the ball mm-hmm. was coming in hard when people was kicking it. <laughs> so that that was my short lived life of uh, yeah, football of soccer, but like you said, it, it football, it's always good yes. to think outside of the box and do things that you are not used to doing and try new things and everything and so with that man I'm happy that you took the time out today to come on the Beyond the Bounce podcast Uh, we actually took it Beyond the Bounce and uh, anytime you're welcome to come on here Um, you're welcome to come by once the pandemic lifts up and we get back to what we call normal and I wish you nothing but success in the future.
2: uh, Extending the invite, man. And God bless you and your family and all of the listeners. And, man, keep doing what you're doing. This was an incredible experience for me. Appreciate you.
0: All right, man. All right, well, have a good one. That's Coach Torino Johnson from Cal State, L.A. And thanks for listening in. And have a good one, everybody. Danny Mac, we we had Coach 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 Torino Johnson just wrapped up that interview. Hey, people don't know, walking walking legend. You you know you got to give people their their flowers while they're alive. Uh, the man won over 200 games as a high school coach, has several CIF championships, have sent several players to college at all different levels. The thing I liked about him as a high school coach when we first met. Uh, he didn't care what level his kids went just as long as they got the opportunity to go or compete at the next level. He um, just ha- has worked the Jordan camp, the Kobe camp, the UCLA camp, has a good roster of mentors, seemed like he's a good, just good overall person, good overall basketball coach. I always tell people, you got to give them their flowers while they're still here. Um real good interview what yeah you i
1: mean as he said he is borderline sensational and i i would say he's leaning more to the sensational part than the other but um yeah you can tell he's a great coach because he he spoke about it about how he doesn't see d two players d one players he sees he takes that whole the whole d equation out of it and he just sees a player a, a person and and that's how he recruits and that's how you know that's that's what separates great coaches, in my opinion, are the people that translate the game into real life. Everything you coach can be translated into your work, into your passions, into your family. And, and you can just tell by his, by his approach that that's how he, he looks at it. And then sometimes
0: we, we as coaches, sometimes we get caught on, the, on these ratings, on this five. This is a five-star player. This is a four-star player. This is a three-star player. Um, everyone's not a UCLA, a USC, uh, a a UConn, uh, a Notre Dame, uh, a North Carolina, a Butler. You know, everyone does not have access to those five-star kids. So the way he seemed like he's taking it is like, hey, give me three three-star kids and let's let's turn these kids into four and five-star kids. And I just I just love that approach when, when coaches take on that challenge and said, hey, you know, we, we don't care. We're not looking at the levels. We're not looking at the Ds in front of the kids. I just want a hooper. You know, if you can play, exactly. you
1: Exactly. And, you know, he goes into that when he's talking about, uh, well, you guys had a great discussion about the importance of role players and giving 100% no matter what job you are filling. And, you know, like you were saying, you can't, no, there aren't, there's a reason there's only, you know, one LeBron James, one Kobe, one Damian Lillard, like one Michael Jordan, like all, all, the, all the greats and legends and, and things like that. But, um, like, what, what was the player you said you, ref- you referenced in the interview? Do you remember? Yeah, my dad told me, like, you know, you see that guy? That's Isaiah
0: Thomas. It's a little bit too late for you to be that guy. Yeah. You see that guy? You know, that's, that's Joe Dumars. Um, you know, you can get there. But he's like, right now in your point in your career, hey, you're Vinny Michael Ray Johnson. You can come in, you can contribute, and you can get a, the team a spark. And he said, if you can learn that role and understand that role, you'll have a exactly.
1: And Exactly, and you said that, you know, that mentality got you 20 minutes a game freshman year. Yeah,
0: fr- freshman year, 20, 25 minutes a game. Hey, just running, playing. Look, believe it or not, playing defense uh, and, and, having, and having fun. And I think – this is what I think. I think too many times the parents get in the way of some of these kids and they pump these kids up so much that they don't understand a role. The only role yeah. they see is a I star. mean, it,
1: it's hard, too, because in, in this generation of, um, you know, we worship celebrity and we have social media, media uh, so we can cover celebrity 24-7. So a lot of people, a lot of kids my age and younger, they're constantly seeing these people like, you know, like people I talked about, like LeBron James and being like, I want to be him, I want to be him. But Rome wasn't built in the day, and you have to work. It's, it's a day-by-day process, and when you understand the importance of a role player, like you were saying, you know, um, if you play hard 100% as a freshman, then you get minutes, and you work up from there, and you keep moving. And, and if your goal is to be that star player, then you got to be a role player first and keep moving. Hey, a lot of people
0: think they're a star until them lights get bright. And 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 when the lights are bright, you see who perform, but you you know, you mentioned these names like you got the Candace Parkers of the WNBA, the LeBron James. Those players are special. Yes, they do put in the work, they put in the hard work, they put in the extra work. You got the Kobe's, but that's part of their 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 greatness and their characteristics that you know some some people are just born mm-hmm. to do their sport. And they have the physical attributes that they actually are born to do their sport. They put the time and the work in on their craft. And, you know, people think superstars just walk into the gym. They they don't know what those people are doing before before the lights come on. And that's what I think that a lot of parents don't understand is like, hey, it takes
1: a lot of work to be great. Exactly. And do. it's not like role like a role player's role isn't rewarding. I mean, you look at guys like um, first one that pops in my mind is 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 Trevor Ariza. You know, he was on the Lakers for a little bit, but that man plays defense. That's his role. He's a defender and that's how he's made his money. That's how he's been in the league forever. And each year he adds a little bit more to his game. Now he's shooting threes and he's a shooter. And it's just, you know, it's important to understand how effective role players can be and what it can do for you personally.
0: Going on to some more stuff in this interview, you know, what I thought was interesting is that he he mentioned some of the, you know, um, you know, he's growing up in South Central. He he mentioned some of the people that he grew up with. And, he, he you know, he mentioned yeah. the late Nipsey Hussle. And, you know, he he's doing a lot of – Coach Johnson is doing a lot of work in the community. And I like one of the points that he emphasized is like, you know, I do work in the community not to get – norad What is it. Yeah, it. You got it. D? Yeah, I got it. See, I've been practicing. I got it. See, I'm working on them words that I struggle with. You got to <laughs> like, you got to attack them head on. But he, he's working on that. And when he shows up, he doesn't want the kids to think every time he shows up, they get something or every time they show up. He's like, no, I'm showing up because I want to give you my time. I want to be here with you all. And I want to. Yeah, put exactly. In good working and, and
1: he says something um, really interesting, which he's, he, he said. He's not doing this. He do, he didn't want any cameras around, you know, he's not doing this to be filmed. He doesn't want this on TV. He wants it coming out of your heart as an individual and coming from a place of love. And, you know, that was really, that hit home for me as someone uh, as, as a documentary filmmaker, because I mean, my, my profession is based on, you know, it, it is based on views. It's based on who watches this. And so, When I, when I come, when I'm doing a project or something, I'm working, I'm thinking about who's watching this, uh, who's behind the camera and who's inside the frame of the lenses. And, you know, it it really is important to ask these questions. Like I ask these questions for myself and it's important to ask these questions all the time because you need to make sure it's coming out of a place of love. And you're you're presenting your subject in a light that is as true as possible to them, which embraces their successes, but also embraces their failures, and you know the good and the bad. And that that's uh, that's what I really took away from this interview is is you have to embrace, you have to really find that love in your soul, and um, that will that will guide you through this whole mess of a world. <laughs>
0: And, you know, a lot of people think in this profession is all glitz and glamour, right? Oh, you coach basketball, you do this, you do that. You know, hey, starting off on some of these jobs, man, you got a lot of coaches out here coach for free. And that's in every sport, you know, that I have seen. They, they, do, it for, they do it for the love of the game. They do it because they truly want to be out there with those kids and making a difference. Uh, you know, a lot like Coach Bonner in his interview, you know, he had a real successful career. Uh, I'm pretty sure Coach Torino Johnson could be doing a hundred other things with his contacts and everything. You know, everyone, Coach Ross, she could have been doing a lot of other things. These are some of the former interviews. But you got to – man, a lot of people really do do this coaching profession as a – because they love to do it. You remember when Coach Ross said in her interview that her coach asked her, hey, so what would you do for free if you didn't even get paid? And she said, oh, I want to be a coach. You know, and it, and it goes back to what, what Coach, Coach Johnson, Coach Torino said. Um, what was real funny is when he said you do it for the love, some people are doing it for the gram. When you talk about some of these people out here that's just making a profit off of not even doing it for a love, I think that's what kind of hurt. That, that really hurts anything that you try to be successful of when you truly don't. And I understand mm. that some people have to make a living and some people have to do it. But, you know, isn't it so much better? To do a job that you love and get paid.
1: Yeah, that's the dream. I mean, like he said, you know, you can tell you will be caught. You you will be. You can tell when someone is doing it for the gram and not doing it out of the passion of their heart. Like if you're if you've got all these fancy spin moves and all these crossovers, but you can't get to the rim in one dribble, then you're getting locked up. Like that's how it is, and that applies to all professions and and. Did, did you see that spin move though? That spin move, that spin move tight though. And, hey, that that was hey, oh yeah, that spin
2: move,
0: Hey, that was on point. You know, I had a coach. I had a coach. One of my coaches. He used to be like, man, that's a hundred dollar move, two dollar shot. He <laughs> would be like, huh? And he's like, that damn ain't worth a flip. Don't do that crap in this team. That's his. That's my voice. That's his voice. Everyone who knows who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about, because that's exactly how he sounded. Um, he, he told me one time, damn it, Pruitt, you had <laughs> 20 points, and you ain't have no freaking rebound. He was like, you a turkey. I could have went down the street to Jenny Jungle and bought a <laughs> damn turkey shit. <laughs> that's his voice. And, I, and I, hey, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm pretty good with impersonations. I can I can do every I, I, my 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 wife gets mad at me for impersonating people sometimes. I can't help it, but that that's dead on him. those I mean, <laughs> of you, you
1: that listening to you the know perfect who I'm picture.
0: About. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up at night sometimes like talking like that. I'm like, "Damn." Why I mean, yeah. like
1: that? I mean, we all do we all do the fancy moves. I remember one time uh it was a fast break. I was playing in uh, in a basketball game and it was a fast break and we were running down and I tried a behind the back pass and just sent it into the bleachers, and I got benched for the rest of the game. I did not see the court for the rest of the game.
0: I I can remember one time. Hey, we, like you said, we all we all give you a showboating. I can remember plenty of times where I showboated. But the thing is, like, look, when you showboat and it don't go right, you still got to be confident. Exactly. And you, like you messed up, you know, like you know, like you threw that pass behind the back and it went out of bleachers. You know, you got to pat yourself on the chest like, hey, my bad. I got you. My bad. It slipped. And then, then you got to – hey, D, what I see sometimes is, hey, players will shoot a shot and they'll miss <laughs> and they'll look at their hand. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what you looking at? <laughs> Like, like I respect it. If you shoot the shot and you miss, you shoot an airball. You gotta lick your hand and you gotta wipe your shoes yeah. off. Like, all right, and you gotta backpedal back, back, back. Like, all right, I got the next one. I uh, uh, players are making mistakes sometimes. I hate this line. Hey, my bad. My bad. Hey, my bad. I'd be like, well, crap, i know it's your bad. Stop doing it. I, I,
1: my my go to line is, that's on me. That's on me. <laughs> I hope a lot. I hope our listeners got a lot of information from Coach
0: Johnson because I think uh I think he was very very genuine. Yeah. No, they definitely
1: question. it. You got all of Torino Johnson in this interview. Well, we want to thank
0: you all for listening to me, JP and Danny Mac on on this episode. Danny, you got any any last words uh, for us before we you wrap know enjoy up? the
1: week, um and attack it like it's a like it's a basketball hoop. Take it take it efficiently. One dribble.
0: I got one for you. You ready? Yeah,
1: we going to New Hampshire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) New Hampshire, baby. And we out on this one. See you next week on the next episode.